0: Oh no, NPR has quit Twitter. NPR quits Twitter after being labeled as state affiliated media. Well it is. Have you listened to NPR? (laughs) I mean Yeah. Well, I mean I don't look, I don't know. They get they get money from taxpayers. Do you think that and, and one political party is always talking about increasing their funding and one political party talks about decreasing their funding, so do you think that that might influence their operation, their, the you know the mission and the bias of look I used to I worked at the local NPR affiliate for like two years. right at co- in college, I was an intern mailing people their coffee mugs. If you got a bumper sticker t-shirt, tote bag or coffee mug, right around 1997, 98 time frame, you're welcome. And um, I remember, yeah, like it, the, the, the content now, I, I tune over, I take a listen to it every now and again, and uh, everything is through the prism of identity politics in foreign countries. <laughs> that's, that's what it seems like. Everything is, today we're looking at the fight for reproductive justice in the village outside of Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. Oh, okay, well, that's, like, am I supposed to be interested in that? I'm not. It's a tiny village outside of Rio de Janeiro. I'm never going there. Like, why would I care to listen to this content? <laughs> this is, and everything is like that. Like, all of their content is like that. Some foreign country, some some niche, some hyper-local, hyper-identity uh, political uh, story, just, oh. can't imagine that that like every single story you listen to has to be through that prism at some point when you're just in your car driving around listening at some point do you just get fed up with the virtue signaling because there's nobody to read the signal in your car with you you're alone you're in your car nobody can hear you nobody can see you you're not getting any juice off of this you're just you're in there listening to this village in in brazil uh dealing with reproductive freedom and health and all of this and Oh my gosh! This is such a such a story. Or do you or, or do you sit there and you're like, okay, I'm not getting any juice off of this virtue signaling. Nobody knows I'm listening to this, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take notes and when I get home, I'm gonna tell people about it. Is that what it is? Is that what it's about? Maybe that's what it's about. But they got all upset. They got all butt hurt over uh, uh, getting labeled state-affiliated media because they're taxpayer-funded. <laughs> they got they got a little badge, state-affiliated media and they got all upset and so they they're like we're leaving twitter. All right. Bye. I saw Governor uh, Roy Cooper, my good friend Ray. He went on to the Twitter machine or somebody. I mean, it signed RC, but who knows if it's actually him. Um, I mean, the guy doesn't even send emails, remember? He was attorney general for like almost a it was a decade and a half, right? 14, 16 years whatever it was. He was attorney general and when they did a FOIA request for all of his email correspondence, he didn't have any. Remember that? And we're supposed to believe that he wasn't running the same sort of operation that Mike Easley was running. Also a Democrat. Also former uh, state attorney general that became governor. Mike Easley, who used the uh, the fake name. It, what was it? It wasn't Carlos Danger. That was, that was Wiener. That was Anthony Weiner's fake name, Carlos. Name. It was Nick Danger, Nick Danger, who was like a old detective, I want to say, from like the the old radio days, like from the old talkies or something, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he had a fake email account, and he would do all of his business off offline so this way nobody could FOIA his emails and um uh, we're supposed to believe Roy Cooper. Didn't do that, too. He just didn't send any emails. And the explanation was that he preferred to do his talking in person and and over the phone. And everybody believes that. So maybe Roy is actually tweeting this or maybe not. I don't know. But he sent out a series of tweets days after Trisha Cotham announced that she was leaving the Democrat Party, becoming a Republican, did the press conference. Outrage ensues. Death threats began or stepped up, I should say. Um uh, you know, wishes of harm against her, you know, demands for explanations and all of this. Uh, and and the Democratic Party calling for her resignation, did a, a you know, a press conference out there, uh, demanding that she resign if she can't vote with the Democrats and all of this. And um Roy Cooper then puts out four tweets. And here's what he says. Much has been made about the Trisha Cotham switch from D to R in the legislature. If she keeps her word on the issues, her votes and the positions she takes in Republican caucus can still stop bad legislation that hurts people she promised to help, regardless of her party. By the way, that's what I said. I mean, I didn't say it like that. But this is what I said. Everyone's automatically assuming that because she makes the switch by affiliation, that somehow or another she has flipped all of her positions and philosophy. That somehow or another, she's now going to vote against the bills that she used to be for, and she's going to vote for the bills that she used to be against, and that might happen. It, sure, that could happen, but it hasn't yet. So, I'm going to wait and see. There, there, I go again. I got to wait for some evidence, right? Here's here's Pete not rushing immediately into a, uh, into a position that I uh, that I can then you know uh, have have hardened and calcify into a, a permanent belief forever and ever. I'm just going to wait. I'm going to see what some other details might be, you know? Cooper goes on to say, Cotham has talked about her need for freedom of thought. He puts that in scare quotes. Freedom of thought and standing up to her old party. The question is, can she also stand up to her new one, especially when they push an agenda she has fought against for years? Yes, we're going to find out. Yeah, will she vote against her party on this stuff? And what happens when she does? Not for nothing, I think she's probably not going to get the same kind of vitriol directed at her by Republican activists and voters. You know why? Because I don't think their expectations are very high. <laughs> I don't think. But she's a Democrat. And she became a Republican. Hey, come on over. Yes, happy to have you. Hope you can vote for our stuff. But like, we're not under any illusion here that you are a, a rock-ribbed conservative. So when you don't vote as one, it's not going to be a big surprise to us, right? And that's that's what I'm thinking. I could be wrong, but that's what I'm thinking. Cooper then says, "North Carolina is moving forward. We've tackled the challenges of storms, pandemic, and political upheavals." First off, you did not cha- you have not tackled the challenges of storms. How many houses have we built for the folks in uh, down east? right what, what was it uh, Hurricane Matthew It happened before Cooper was even elected to office so what's it been now? six years, seven years we I think we've built like two homes for all the people that got affected. they're still living in like hotel rooms and trailers. Meanwhile, everybody that was affected by the storm in South Carolina they've all been rehoused their their recovery efforts are winding down. In fact, we're under a deadline. I think we're going to lose all of the federal help soon taken so long he has made such a mess and again nobody really covers this a btv did a big uh expose on it a couple years ago i want to say uh nick oxner did but nobody holds cooper accountable for that stuff um pandemic well that was you dude pandemic and political upheavals we've stopped bad culture war laws and forged bipartisan agreements on medicaid expansion clean energy and economic development there you go what did i say republicans Cave on the Medicaid expansion, and you've given Roy Cooper now this thing to beat you over the head with every single chance he gets. Is the juice worth the squeeze? He goes on to say, finally, when good people make their voices heard, good things happen. Encourage both Democrats and Republicans to do what's right and hold us all accountable. I mean, except Roy. Uh, We have come too far to turn backward. Okay. There's a lot of belief out there that for some reason, all of a sudden, every vote is going to change. All of a sudden, things are going to be different. And I, I don't believe that to be the case. I've said it now for the last week and a half. I don't believe that to be the case. House Speaker Tim Moore was saying after the election that he has essentially a, a working supermajority or functional supermajority, right? In other words, every single issue, there is an ability... There's an opportunity to peel away a couple of Democrat votes, and they've done so already. Regardless of Cotham's switch, they've been able to make some headway. And part of that is because Ray Cooper is a lame duck governor. And every day that passes, he becomes lamer and lamer, which I did not think was possible. I kid, I kid, my good friend Ray, I kid. All right, not a joke. Or as Joe Biden would say, uh, joke. Consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. Message from Beth. Yesterday, my friend drove us to Asheville in her Miata to see Hot Tuna at the Wortham Theater. Top down all the way. That is the life. A wonderful time was had by all. Join the show. Thank you, Beth. It's a beautiful day. Take advantage of it, indeed. Here's an email from DK to Pete at the thepetecallendershow.com. When a Republican is all over the place on issues and undermines his party, liberals reward him with the moniker of Maverick. John McCain, for example, on important issues like campaign finance reform, immigration, climate change, did not stand with Republicans. And Democrats didn't say he was mentally ill. Well, I mean, they, there was that brief period when he did that very bad thing by running against Barack Obama, but all was forgiven immediately after he lost. So there was that. Uh, anyway, but aside from that brief window, yes, he was the maverick, and they they would never say he was mentally ill. They didn't say... Um, you know, he didn't hold strong positions or he was seeking attention. Liberals adored him as a non-reliable Republican. Right. This is why what. You know, was it Russia would always say like the 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 Republicans that Democrats love are the ones who have uh, attacked Republicans or who have died. Right. Like that's when you get the the love from the Democrats and the media. But I repeat myself that like that's when you get the love from them. Is when you attack the GOP, or you die, and then you then they're like, "Oh yes, remember the statesman, whatever." So -so. that's how Mitt Romney went from you know giving women cancer uh, and uh, and giving guys haircuts uh, and 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 you know giving dogs anxiety with road trips on the roof, and uh, that's how he goes from that to. Uh, to now being this, uh, you know, this paragon of uh, democracy. Let me see. This is from Robert. Pete, why do you even report the news about another person coming out with evidence against Joe Biden? You know nothing will come of it. All the alphabet agencies will continue running cover for that whole corrupt family. It just shows us. It's just showing us candy we can't have. <laughs> yeah. Look, I understand there is a futility to all of this. I do agree, but uh, I'm not going to stop. Like, I'm, you know, I, I'm in the arena. I'm going to keep swinging at stuff. I, I may not win, but I think there is virtue in the fight. Um, Let's see here. Uh, Jan says, I believe it was Representative Decker. Yes, Michael Decker. is switched to Democrat back in the early 2000s. Indeed. Republicans at the time were... At the apoplectic, this looks like a voice to text, Jan, this looks like a voice to text, uh, We're at the time apoplectic. They were demanding investigations, coming up with all kinds of theories that the Democrats said were conspiracy theories. As it turned out, Jim Black gave the man, was it 50000 to switch? I don't remember how much he gave him, uh, so that Black could stay in power. Sounds like Democrat projection, casting aspersions on the latest party switch. Right. Well, I mean, because that is what they did. Right. That's what Jim Black did. Jim Black paid a Republican to flip to be a Democrat just long enough to give Jim Black the speakership. Right. Oh, and he also not only did he take the money in the bathroom of the IHOP off I-85 in Salisbury, not only did he take the envelope of cash, um, but he also uh, Black also gave Decker. Yes, this was the Black and Decker scandal. um, Black gave Decker's son. A job at state government, cultural resources department, if I remember correctly. Yep, gave his kid a gig. That was the payoff. That was the bribe. He eventually went to prison. I don't think it was actually for that. I think he uh, was taking bribes from some other group. And that's what actually did him in. But... News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Email is Pete at the dot com and on Twitter at Pete Calendar. That's Calendar with a K. And that is where we uh, we do the wet work. As I say, we, we like to mix it up. We like to. uh like to engage in some of uh, Saul Alinsky's rules for radicals, let's say. My favorite is rule number five: ridicule. <laughs> it's a it's a very potent form of yeah, very potent form of disagreeing. Um, so Trisha Cotham, Mecklenburg County representative, switches parties, and uh, a lot of Democrats leaders and activists they are uh, very very upset. They are outraged. I mean, they even constructed these entire uh, conspiracy theories that. Uh, this was all in the works since before the election. Well, Trisha Cotham did a news conference. She has given interviews. Uh, she sat with Brett Jensen from our uh, Breaking with Brett Jensen uh, program. He's a WBT news guy. Uh, he went up to Raleigh the day she made the uh, announcement at the press conference. He got some one-on-one time with her. I played one cut from uh, from this interview. I do have I do have a couple other pieces of audio. Let me do this. Let me play one of these other cuts. This uh, she was asked uh, why now. Like, why do it at this point? Oh, hang on. I got to plug in my laptop. Hang on a second, Pete. Oh, my goodness. Hang on. Let's start it over. I got to plug the laptop in. re rack it. Okay. Why now?
1: This happened now because this is the right time. I am a person of faith and have strong faith, and I rely on my faith. And you can't predict God's timing you don't just get to say well let's look at this date or we need to do this tomorrow there are many messages many signals that you get i think last week and the lies that i saw the vivitrol the nastiness the extreme amount of death threats that i received to the point where i was not allowed back on campus for my safety um it was just another sign that I can't be a part of this toxicity, of this nastiness. I came here to work. I am a worker. I came here to get things done. I chair a very large committee. I'm very dedicated to helping children in North Carolina with a very special focus on reading that is very near and dear to my heart. I quickly saw that the Democrats wanted to just have these meetings after meetings that do no good. Having a meeting, just to have a meeting, is not leading. It's just, it's just not. And um, it just kind of was a vicious storm. But when you see such nasty ads, and it, it, just, it just really shows you this is very different of a party now than what it was just a few years ago. What it was in 2006, what it was in 1996 when I was a volunteer, I was an intern on Capitol Hill, um, and and that's sad. I, I I hate that for just the party, but they made this happen. They brought this to themselves when the Democrat leader sent out a press release, which is unprecedented here and just tacky. That. Calling on you know the three who vote. Who, I was not there for medical reasons, and and you know the same people who talk about healthcare and healthcare reasons, and you know we have a right between to have our healthcare records private between my doctor. Well, they certainly was extremely hypocritical on that with me, and called me an invalid, said I should resign due to medical reasons. Um, but I'll tell you, Brett, one thing that really really was painful and it shows the hypocrisy. On March 8th was International Women's Day where a Democratic female uh, legislator stood up to do a resolution and honor women in North Carolina who have made political history. And she had about three to four names that she mentioned. And I just kind of sat there in my seat thinking is she going to do the right thing? Is she? And she didn't. And it took the Speaker of the House to tell the whole body that we have a woman right now in this chamber who's made history in politics and broken barriers by being the youngest female ever to be elected to the North Carolina General Assembly. these so many years later even though i'd like to say i just have remained 30 i have not but it's a big deal and you know that wasn't mentioned to also say you know and the speaker said she had two children i also had miscarriages here and everybody knew about it but i carried two babies and big babies and we were working long hard hours and i was here till 3 a.m., 4 a.m. It it was hard, but I was determined and dedicated. You can hear the difference in my voice right now because I do still have effects of long haul. Everybody who has it does. Um, But for them to ask me to resign because of that, I beat COVID three times. I'm in great physical health. I'll challenge any of them to anything, but it's the principle of the thing or lack of their principles and just more hypocrisy. All
0: right, so a couple of things she mentions there. She said it was the right time. She relied on her faith to help guide her. She called it God's timing. I don't know know what she took as signs for that. She did mention death threats that prevented her from coming onto campus. And I don't know if that was the legislative campus or if there's a school campus. I don't know what, does she work someplace that's a school campus? I assumed it's the legislative campus where they were like, you've gotten death threats. This is before she switched. You're getting death threats from your own side. You're an elected Democrat and the Democrat leftist moonbat brigade is threatening your life. I got a taste of it. Just because the Twitter algorithm put my tweet into some of these moonbat uh, timelines, and yeah, they they came at me posting my home address, all sorts of stuff. This is what they do. Then she also said a meeting for the sake of meetings. I thought this, this like, well, hello, that's like corporate. <laughs> it's like, isn't that everywhere in corporate America? Like you're going to have a meeting and then you go from one meeting to the next meeting and someone's going to read to you their PowerPoint presentation, which you do not need to read me your PowerPoint. If you've got it written out on a PowerPoint, I can read it. I would not be sitting in this meeting if I did not know how to read. I can read. Don't read to me your PowerPoint. Okay. And then she said the tacky press release that came from Robert Reeves, the House Minority Leader, right, attacking his fellow members for not being there. And she ties that into... She has long-haul COVID. She She was at a doctor's office. She told everybody she was going to be at the doctor's office. And she had an appointment. They called the vote up when she was not there. And her own leader attacks her for it. Now, he's new to the gig, and so maybe he didn't know better. I don't know. But then there was the other thing I thought was interesting, where she said on March 8th International Women's Day, and one of her Democrat female colleagues gets up to start touting all the accomplishments of Three or four or five women, I guess, in the body who had done all these historic things, I guess. And they overlooked Trisha Cotham, who was the youngest female elected to the North Carolina General Assembly. It's a personal slight. It's it's a it's one in a long list that she cites. Right? People, I tell people this: politics is about relationships, and these little things matter, especially at the local and state level. These little things matter. People get mad. If they don't get recognized at a church gathering, a bunch of politicians show up for some church gathering and they, they don't get they don't get recognized in front of the whole crowd and they get really mad about that. It. It's actually a true story. I'm not going to tell you. Who. They got really mad about it and then worked to defeat their fellow Democrat and would block everything they tried to do. <laughs> That's the kind of petty politics sometimes that uh, are engaged in. I don't know who this I have know nothing about it other than what you just said there. All right. Now, given the state of affairs in our country and the world, are you asking yourself whether you're prepared for an emergency? I actually get asked this a lot. My answer, start at Carolina Readiness Supply, 2,000 square feet of supplies, the full line of Augustin Farms and Mountain House Foods, books, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, camping and hiking supplies. Being prepared is just smart. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing or somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. In Waynesville and online at carolinareadiness.com. Get tickets to the Heritage Life Skills event also. Make a day trip to the mountains and return home fully prepared. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here for... Just a couple more minutes. 704 570 one 1-800-WBT-1110. Trisha Cotham, state representative, Democrat, switched her party to be a Republican. Um, she sat down with Brett Jensen the other day uh, when she made the announcement, and uh, she has been accused of taking bribes, payments, personal benefits, and even being in a romantic relationship with House Speaker Tim Moore. She says, She says she's not going to be a solid GOP vote on on every issue. Well,
1: first, let's not jump to conclusions. Let, let, let's really think through this. Let, let's remember Tricia, that so many people know. And I didn't just sit midnight, turn into an elephant, and everything has changed. I've gone hardcore. That's not me. That's not who I am. No promises were made. Things that were said, you know, I, I will always advocate for inclusivity and for equality and for protecting our most vulnerable children. And the list goes on. And I've stood alone in the Democratic Party on my votes. There will be times I stand alone here in the Republican Party. But what I hope to do and where I think the difference will be, beside, you know, people who only follow these radical interest groups who are just here to make more money, mm. that people will talk to me. They will try to ask me questions because I work with dignity and grace, not just running to Twitter like Natasha Marcus does oh. on everything. Oh my goodness! And others, I'm here to be effective. My record shows that. I'm proud of that. I'm still who I am. I will vote my conscience. I will vote what I believe is right for my district and for the state of North Carolina. That's never changed, and people should not jump to conclusions. And it's sad that they have, but that's what they are. Those are the lies being fed, and they are following.
0: Right. Calls out Natasha Marcus, state senator from Mecklenburg County. Calls her out by name for her actions. And so I think that's a pretty good peek behind the curtain as to what's driving a lot of this, there's something else. Uh, Pat Ryan, he's a former spokesman for Senate leader, Phil Berger. And uh, he wrote an op-ed. It appeared in the McClatchy papers, Charlotte observer being one of them. And he said, the origin story of Cotham's defection begins, in my opinion, four years ago when democratic leaders began enforcing a brutal loyalty regime to keep their members in line. I would submit it begin even farther back than that. But this is about what Pat Ryan said. So he says when political organizations, a caucus or a party, when these organizations demand member purity and then they offer no way to relieve the pressure, it's only a matter of time before something breaks in 2019. State Democratic Party-aligned groups launched the disloyal Dems, right? I mentioned this earlier. This was a political hit list of sorts. And it was designed to do what? Enforce ideological purity, right? Disloyal Dems. If you're a Democrat, you don't get to have a different opinion about any single issue at all. If you do, you are disloyal. They directed much of their ire at the time towards then-Senator Don Davis, a moderate black Democrat from a rural district who had the temerity to vote to override Governor Roy Cooper's veto. The Democratic Party-aligned groups didn't much conceal their intent. They said, we're targeting Democrats who fail to understand, or I'm sorry, who fail to stand strong with Governor Cooper and their party. Right? There was no gray area there. You're either with us or we're coming after you. That's the deal. Colin Campbell, who I think was uh, at that point working for McClatchy uh, at the time, and he said moderate Democrats are, quote, finding targets on their backs because the partisan operatives in Raleigh have vindictive tendencies that sometimes cloud their better judgment. Aw. this just their better judgment's being clouded by their vindictiveness. But other than that, they're, I mean, they're fantastic people. They're just really vindictive. I mean, if they could just get past the vindictiveness. <laughs> right? And so began the organized campaign to root out diverse perspectives from the Democratic Party. And that's when the pressure started building. That same year, party leadership orchestrated the termination of State Board of Elections Executive Director Kim Strack. I mentioned her. Campbell called that move a partisan purity test. And before the filing period closed in 2020... Cooper allegedly threatened sitting legislators with primary challenges if they didn't follow his agenda. Cooper's office did not deny the tactic. They said, the only threat we see is the Republican leadership's threat to our democracy. Right. Democrats should blame themselves. Democrats and their activist base, you guys helped push Cotham to make that decision. There was no conspiracy here, except on your side. All right, I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.